This is 15 Minutes of Freedom. I'm your host, Ryan Adele. Today, coming to us live from Dallas, Texas, Jason Priest, the owner of Dad Bod Health. Jason, thanks for being on the show, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, man. I'm really excited to talk to you. Yeah, it's been super cool getting to catch up with you a little bit in the pre-show interview and just get to know some pieces and parts about you, right? You being from, I mean, I don't care, but I'm supposed to call it, what, the state up north? Like, I'm not allowed to say Michigan, like an M is a bad word for the- <laughs> Totally get it. Yeah, and then the whole football, uh, you know, twinge of life, but- You've had a unique path, which I can't wait to dive into, but you weren't always a coach, right? You have a, a medical background as far as a nursing degree and had spent time in that industry. So I love to ask, as an entrepreneur now, if someone's considering jumping into right, a business venture in which they're taking the risk, right? If, if you don't hunt, you're not eating, essentially. Right. Well, if you don't kill, you're not eating. Right. If you could give somebody that piece of advice that you wish someone would have told you before you started, what would that be? Well, so, you know, to, to kind of preface that, I am what I refer to, and, and look, we're all on our own journey. You know, I both know that. No, there is no right or wrong way, but I consider myself a quote-unquote late-blooming entrepreneur. I turned 40, well, I was going to say this year, in, in November, and with that being said, I started my business out of pure unfulfillment, man. It was never a financially driven decision for me. Um, you know, I was, I was making a very good income in corporate wellness. Um, you know, my wife is a pharmacist, like I mentioned, so it, uh, or mentioned to you before the show. So having that, having that, um, kind of a little bit of a leverage per se gave me the ability to take a little bit more risk or take on a little bit more risk than I would have otherwise. Um, if I was the sole breadwinner and my wife was a stay at home mom, then I would have had a little bit, diff a little bit more difficult path starting my entrepreneurial journey. So to answer your question, though, man, like, that's a very loaded question, because I've learned so many lessons over the last year. And I was actually just about to make a, a Facebook post before we started this, because one of the biggest things that has really kind of helped me become more focused, and you and I both know that focus is, is in this in this day and age, especially with all the distractions out there, Focus is one of the most valuable things you can have as, as an entrepreneur because when you lose focus, you don't lose focus for five minutes. You are, you're delayed by 25 minutes if you get that one little distraction, social media, text, whatever, especially with, when you're in your groove. And so, you know, with that being said, I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned over the last year is be, being able to distinguish between opportunity and distraction because you, I'm sure you get the same thing. People reach out all the time in the social media world with, you know, hey, I've got this, this venture you might be interested in, or, hey, I want to know more about your business. And that leads to a phone call, which leads them to, to trying to sell you something. And so for me, you know, being able to distinguish between opportunity and distraction has allowed me to become laser focused on my business. It's one of the things that I hold closest to my heart because I'll, I'll give you an example. I reached out to uh, Craig Valentine. You know Craig Valentine? Very well. I think Okay, good. I think highly of him. He's a great dude, obviously very successful guy. Um, I, I have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of little tidbits I've taken from some of his content. But I reached out to him when I was in the beginning of my um, podcast. Uh, I started my podcast, let's call it eight, ten months ago. And I reached out right at the beginning and he told me something that I, I gained a ton of respect for, not just him, but anybody who does this. And he says, I'm, this is not something that I can do. And I'm sure he has certain podcasts he will go on. But 
because mine was not a huge podcast at the time and, and currently is not a huge podcast now, he was very protective of his time. And he said, I respect what you're doing. I wish you all the best, but it's not something that I can entertain because I guard my time with, with everything that I've got. All my energy goes into guarding my time so that I can utilize it in the best way possible. And I think that's the one key takeaway is that wherever you're at in your entrepreneurial journey, you've got to be able to distinguish between opportunity and distraction. And it's, it, it has helped me so much. I love that. What a, what a brilliant lesson. And because, Jason, because you brought up that podcast of yours, if someone I, inevitably, I know as you're listening, you're gonna be curious about more about Jason and, and the dad bod health movement. Where, what is your podcast name? Where can they find it? Give us a little more information on that. Yeah, sure. It's called the dad bod pod. So the is in capital T H E. Um, you know, and, and the reason I did that, I think there was a couple of podcasts that didn't really make it that, that was just the, and so I was like, well, I'm going to capitalize mine because I'm not going away. I'm coming on this scene strong. So it's the dad bod pod and I'm everywhere. You can find me on iTunes. You can find me on Spotify. Um, in anywhere, anywhere you listen to podcasts, I'm there. And to, to tell you a little bit about my show, it's, I do two episodes a week. And so what you get out of my show is you get an interview per week. And that could be somebody who's struggling with their health that I bring on. This is a new twist that I've taken that I bring on and, and literally interview them and almost do like almost do like a coaching session during the podcast to really help them get clarity on what they can do, actionable steps they can take to start leveraging their health to build their wealth. You know, that health is health is wealth. And if you don't have it, you don't have much. And that's, you know, in the entrepreneurial world, it's very easy to uh, put your health on the back burner when you're grinding your life away to build this business, right? We're all about the grind. Well, the grind will grind your ass into the ground if you're not careful. And, and coming from the ICU, six years in the intensive care unit, pumping on the chest of some really, really young men, late 30s, early 40s, who simply had just a dad bod. Now, at the time, the dad bod term wasn't really out there, but that was one of the big pieces that led me to starting my business because I have vivid memories of doing CPR on a 42-year-old guy with the family standing in the room. And it's up to me and my, and my crew to save this guy's life. And all he had was a dad bod uh, and, and just chose to ignore it for a little bit too long. And so the awareness around the dad bod, we love to joke about it, but a big piece of my mission is bringing awareness around the dad bod, letting the world know, the, specifically the U.S. with our obesity epidemic, letting the world know that this is not a healthy trend and giving these people, these, these men that are struggling with their health, actionable steps. This is not fluff. I fill my podcast with nothing but value. So you get an interview per week, and then you get a solo episode per week of me coming on and giving you about 20 minutes of some things that you can take, some steps you can take right now to start giving yourself the best opportunity to improve your life. I'm a firm believer, and as you see my logo here with the burgers and beer, I'm a firm believer in sustainability and living a life of sustainability because without it, you're likely going to fall on your face. I tried the fad diets when I was overweight and I have my own health transformation story that I was featured in Men's Health about. And so I lost 60 pounds in about nine months, but it was when I finally figured out the magic that it's not just diet and exercise and I needed a sustainable way so that I could realize that I can't have it now, but I can have it later. So I have a very structured framework that I follow. And anybody that looks at my social media, you will see that I eat a burger and have a beer religiously every single week. Like it's Friday and Saturday night are my two cheat meals a week. And I do it religiously because I'm very transparent with my audience. And so 
the men in my community now that are following this, the, the messaging that I'm getting back from this is like, they're thanking me for giving them the blueprint because now they're like, well, I can get fit and healthy and reduce my health risks, but I can still have all the foods that I love. And that is what fuels my fire, man. I love it, Jason. And what I found to be fascinating, fascinating is probably a little bit of a misnomer. What I love about what you're offering is you said very clear to me before you started the show, I, if I can help you get ripped, I can help you get shredded and all those things. That, that's something I have the knowledge in, but I really specialize in quality of life and longevity in a sustainable nature for dads, right? Like high level entrepreneurs. And I share all that because as you're listening to this inside the show notes, uh, if you were to press pause and take a look at them, Jason has a couple different entry points into what he does. And he shared with me a private Facebook community that I, I think is a brilliant offering where it's a very low entry point. It comes with a, an app. It comes with a, a group and a pod and comes with training, comes with a whole bunch of stuff, which Jason can cover. But I share all that because right, I, there's this barrier to entry for so many clients in dealing with coaches of like, how do I know if they can do this? Is it going to be for me? What if I don't get results? What if, and right, I, I look at if you want good results, it's going to cost good money. I, mean, I, I think that's just the nature of life. Like, sure. I want to drive a nice fancy car. It's going to cost more than the Toyota. I'm not mad at a Toyota, but like, sure, there's a difference there. So I'd love to know kind of the methodology, right? You've uncovered some of it behind, right? The sustainability structured cheap meals, it sounds like, but right. What is the whole, you know, what is your, your pillar? What is your cornerstone? Like, how does yeah, it absolutely, man. And I'm glad you asked that because this is, I've got, a structure and framework that I follow. And, and, you know, you mentioned just to expand a little bit about on, on what you said on the barrier to entry. So I'm a firm believer that, yeah, great results can cost a high amount of money. But here's the thing is when I started my business, as I mentioned to you, it was never a financially driven decision. It was pure fulfillment. And so when I started my business, I thought originally that I was only going to work privately with high level clients that I could work on, work, work one-on-one -on -one with, and help them, you know, become the leader of their family in every aspect. Because I firmly believe that, and and I I help I help non dads too. I have men of all walks of life because a a man can have a dad bod and not technically be a dad, right? It's just simply a term. However, with that being said, I firmly believe that every father has the moral and ethical responsibility and obligation to lead by example, make their health a priority. So not only do, can they be there long-term for their children, but they can also be around to watch their children grow up to pursue greatness, be around to watch their children have children, because we only live one time. And if you're not making your health a priority, you're going you're gonna to end up paying the price at some point. It may be sooner than later, like the guy that I referenced in the ICU having CPR at 42 years old, or you may be the guy, and we live in a day, a day and age now where medical technology is advanced enough we're going to keep you alive. If you don't have a massive heart attack or a massive stroke that just takes you out or a really advanced cancer that takes you out, we are going to keep you alive. But the quality of life will not be there. If you're eaten up with diabetes, if, you're, if you've got um, you know, constant health issues that we're just throwing medication after medication on top of to cover up these band, they're essentially band-aids and we're not addressing the root cause then you're going to live a miserable long life. And I don't want to live a miserable long life. I want to live high quality of life. 
and longevity because you and I both know we're put on this earth once. Now, whether you believe in reincarnation or whatever, that's a whole other topic. But uh, to answer your question, you know, my framework is very much um, kind of revolves around what I consider the four core pillars of health. And I will tell you, I'll give you a story. So when I was in the corporate world, I vividly remember a client that I was working with. I uh, was doing corporate wellness. And in that situation, I would talk to these guys, you know, at most once a month, but usually once every three months. And I had a guy that I was talking to about every couple of months. And we could not figure out for the life of us why he wasn't losing weight. Dude was working out six days a week for at least an hour. Guy was eating like a rabbit and, you know, mostly protein and vegetables, uh, very, very low carb and just couldn't lose weight and was just frustrated beyond all belief. And so I finally decided to start to dig a little bit deeper. I'm like, you know what? I feel terrible for this guy. I have extreme amount of compassion for people who are struggling, but really, really trying to get better in any area of life. If you're putting in maximum effort and you're not getting results, like that, that tears me up, especially when it comes to your health. And like, I hate to see that. And so this guy was putting in the work and, you know, basically what I was seeing was, we dug a little deeper and we figured out that he was an absolute ball of stress. He was crunching deadlines, staying up till one in the morning, only uh, waking up at, at 5.30, 6 a.m. So he's, he's trying to coast on four and a half, five hours of fumes every single day and had high amounts of stress at work and a little bit of stress at home. And so what we did was we totally ignored the diet and exercise piece, the, the nutrition and fitness. And we started dialing in sleep and stress management. So the core, four core pillars in this order are sleep, stress management, nutrition, and fitness. Now, you see that I list fitness last because I firmly believe until you get your sleep and stress management dialed in, it is very difficult for you to even wrap your head around the thought of trying to eat healthy, trying to work out, trying to get to the gym. When you've got high levels of stress, you don't want to do anything else except for do whatever makes you feel best, which is immediate gratification things, which is going to lead you to eating candy or drinking soda or energy drinks. You can't even focus on nutrition and fitness. So that's why I list them off in that order. But when we finally got this guy's sleep and stress dialed in, and we, we went through a whole combination, a whole series of uh, techniques and strategies for him to get there, um, contain some or involve some gratitude journaling, some meditation, a very strict sleep schedule with documenting when he's going to sleep, when he's supposed to wake up, we got his body so used to going to sleep at the same time and waking up at the same time that within about three months, he no longer needed his alarm anymore. And his stress, he said, was, was cut by about 70%, if I remember exactly uh, his percentage. When we got those two dialed in, the, the fat started melting off like butter. And within six months, this guy completely transformed his life, dropped about 35, 37 pounds, and became very confident, very dominant in his field, and was starting to stand out as a leader in his industry versus someone who was quote unquote average. And so that's why I am such a big believer in the four core pillars, because the men in my community, we do monthly health habit change challenges in the community. And when I do these, I'm checking in in the morning, checking in at night. And when these guys are reporting back to me, dude, I never knew how much my water intake would help. I never knew how much my stress taking 15 minutes a day for myself would help me. I never knew how much sticking to a, slip, a strict sleep schedule 
would change my life. When I'm hearing these kinds of things, you know, it, it's just powerful, powerful stuff. And, and that's, that's really the framework of what I follow. Uh, that's, that's incredible, Jason, because right, as we look at something as simple as sleep, something that ever, as you're listening, right, you, I know you're going to sleep. Maybe it's not today. Maybe your third shift worker doesn't, but there, it's sometime in the next 24 to 36 hours, you certainly should be sleeping. <laughs> Jason, if, if you were going to give somebody a one, two, three quick hit tips yes. for to sleep right off the bat, right? Something that's going to, right, I understand you're going to get the cortisol response, and I'd love to get into some of the science behind it because sure. it's important other than like, oh, two guys on a microphone tell you to go to sleep at a certain time. But it sounds like you have your, uh, a, I don't call it a proprietary, but you have a special sauce as it pertains to sleep that sure. provides really massive results for people. I do. And when I changed my morning routine, which all started with sleep, it had such a drastic impact on my life that I just couldn't keep it a secret, man. And I know that everybody has their, you know, their, their, their special morning routine blend. And we, we mentioned Craig Ballantyne. There's a, there's a lot of the the big, the gurus and the big entrepreneurs out there will kind of give you their rundown. And I'll bring up a big name out there. Uh, most of your listeners, I'm sure, will, will at least know who Ed Milet is. Mm -hmm. um, I have a, a, a ton of respect for Ed. I've, I've read his book multiple times. I'm probably going to read it again soon. I love Max Out. I love what he's doing for people. I love his compassion for helping others. But what I will say is I, I firmly disagree with his training your body to sleep only six hours a day. And here's why. You mentioned the cortisol response. So when I talk about sleep and I talk about stress management, the end result is the same. When you're not sleeping enough, you're going to have an elevated level. You're going to have elevated levels of cortisol. When you have high levels of stress, you're also going to have high levels of cortisol. Cortisol is a fat storing hormone. And not only will it store fat and make it very difficult for you to lose weight, but it'll also have a trickle-down effect on the rest of your health habits. And so you're going to feel the bog, you're going to feel bogged down. You're not going to feel, um, you know, like you can dominate your day and, and, and perform powerfully and consistently on a daily basis. And so when we talk about sleep, to answer your question, the very first thing, and, and this is a bit of a process, man, like this doesn't happen in a week. You have to really spend a little bit of time. It's almost like an experiment with yourself to figure out where your body feels most well rested. There is no cookie cutter, um, you know, cookie cutter solution here because I'll tell you that I'm, I'm a guy that if I'm on my game, which is most of the time when it comes to my health, uh, I am, I am perfect right at six and a half hours of sleep. If I try to get away with six, two, three in the afternoon comes and I feel that, that, you know, that, that my eyelids drooping and I start to feel tired and I start to feel, uh, unenergetic. And, you know, it's just, I'm just not the same. I can't really get myself to sleep more than six and a half hours because I start to wake up before my alarm goes off. So I have my alarm set for seven hours just in case. Rarely do I ever make it to that seven hours unless it's a weekend. And, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's just one of those where my son comes down, lays in bed, we get to do the, the cuddle thing in the morning. He's four. So if we're all laying there in bed, well, of course, I'm going to lay there a little bit longer because those, those moments are precious. But what I would, step number one is figuring out where you feel most well-rested. Okay, that could be, for some people, that could be six and a half hours. For some people, that might be eight and a half hours. That's the reality of things. And I know that in the entrepreneurial space, especially, most people aren't sleeping eight and a half or nine hours. But with that being said, once you feel, figure out where you feel most well-rested, the next step is figuring out 
the, the exact time that you're going to be compliant with, right? If you're not going to be compliant with it, don't even try. If you're going to tell yourself that I'm going to go to bed at 930 every night because I want seven hours or six hours and I want to be up by four or whatever that is, whatever that works out to be, then and you're not going to go to bed at 930 because you're scrolling social media, you're, you're trying to work till 1030 or whatever, then, then don't set yourself up for failure like that. So figure out where you feel most well-rested, then choose a time that's actually reasonable for you. For me, it's 1030. Lights are out. I'm in bed by 1030. And pick that time and become laser focused. Don't waver from it. Now, there's going to be days where you know, you stay up a little bit later because you were working on a deadline or you're working on a project that kept you up a little bit later. But if you can get consistent with that 1030 or whatever that time chosen is for you, that's step number two. And then do not waver from it. Once you do this, let's call it, once you do that for about two or three weeks, I can almost guarantee you that you will start to wake up before your alarm because now your body, we, we are a machine. And when your body will learn these things very quickly, just like if you go to the gym and start lifting weights, you know, you're going you're gonna to put on a little bit of muscle mass pretty quickly if you've never lifted before because your body has to compensate. It's got to get, get used to those weights you're lifting. Same thing with sleep. Once you figure out where you are at and you stick to a strict sleep schedule and become laser focused on that, then it's, it's a game changer, man. And then that, that piece is taken care of as long as you stick to the plan. Now you can focus on everything else, which then become the other three pillars of health. Well, and Jason, as we talk about this, like I'd love, especially with your, your background, to chat on some of the scientific aspects of what you just said. Like I just geek out on this stuff. So sure. for me, you start looking at uh, statistically our sleep cycles normally 85 to 90 minutes, right? And that's going to, sure. if you're operating efficiently and effectively, but sure. there's also the components of how do you get to be able to operate efficiently and effectively. Like I, I happen to be, I cringe to say biohacker, right? But I have an aura, I have a whoop. Like if there's something I can track and monitor it, I you tend like to do yeah. it so, so I know where I'm headed. But as we look at this, right, I, and I've been guilty of this. I think most, I cringe to say entrepreneurs, but I think most of us, you know, stop at the gas station and grab a coffee. You grab a, a Red Bull, you grab a Monster, and you grab, you know, you have the morning coffee and you start looking at the things that I was doing personally that weren't blue light at night. It wasn't saying up past my bedtime. It I was still doing those things, but my habits during the day and the caffeine I was consuming and what that was doing to all the different types of bodily processes that too much caffeine can do, right? All of a sudden, my adrenals were essentially shot, right? Like, and how that then plays into the sleep cycle and how that, like you said, the body is a beautifully complicated although somewhat simple machine, right? Like sure. you eat good stuff, you stay consistent. You don't have to worry about all this, but our lives aren't that way, right? Like right. You the, the deadlines and the stress and the commute and the, the no big deal, right? It's only, it's only one coffee. It's only one Red Bull. It's only like, right. But all of a sudden your adrenals are shot in tax and your sleep cycles are off basis and your cortisol response is too high and your insulogenic response is way out of whack and then that's shutting down your testosterone versus estrogen access and then all of a sudden you're not building muscle you're accumulating fat too rapidly you can't sleep appropriately you're like it's a vicious cycle that sure. it comes quick right like scientifically like i'm not horribly out base here am i no 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 you you're pretty pretty spot on and and to be honest with you when you start getting into you know the technical jar the medical jargon that you're talking about for the for the lay person out there listening that's why I am so, that's why my framework works so well, because the structure is set up to, in, a, in a way that 
when you focus on the four core pillars, you're addressing each and every one of those things that you just listed off, but without really getting into the medical jargon, because here's the thing is if you can, if you can work on step number one and, and get sleep under control, and then you go over to the stress management aspect, you know, you mentioned, you know, you, you mentioned coffee or Red Bull or some of these things in the afternoon, which is a very common trend out there. The reason it's a common trend is because people don't have the nutrition aspect nailed down. So here's the thing. When you get enough sleep, you're not going to, now I'm a coffee drinker, but only in the morning and it's out of a force of habit. I think I just like the taste of coffee, the warm coffee in the morning. I've gone without coffee many, many days in my life. I never get a headache. I never feel tired. So for me, I think it's just that I just like coffee. And so um, I'm not anti-coffee by any means, but but there is a, you know, you, you should certainly keep it under 400 milligrams a day. I mean, that's where things start to, uh, 400 milligrams of caffeine a day, that's where things start to kind of get dicey because now you're looking at heart palpitations, high blood pressure, uh, the adrenal stuff that you brought up. And so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of um, chain of events that can happen when you get too high. But with that being said, if you get sleep dialed in and then you start to focus on stress management, now you've gotten to your, yourself to a place where you don't necessarily need the caffeine as much because you're sleeping well. You're not as stressed out. Now you can focus on the next core pillar, which is nutrition. And when you're fueling your body, we'll go back to the complex machine that you listed off here. If you, if you use this analogy, which I love, but the analogy is this. If, if our body is a machine, which it very much is, and we're fueling our machine like a Lamborghini or a Ferrari, you're not going to put 87 octane in your Lamborghini. That's just not, you didn't spend 300,000 or 400,000 on a car to then go and put 87 octane in that car. You're going to put 93 and, and probably add the fuel additive or whatever. The same holds true for your body. Now it's a little bit different. I mean, obviously we're humans. We eat very frequently uh, or should be at least, at least a few times a day. And when you're fueling your body with real whole foods, nutrient dense foods on a regular basis, it eliminates the need for a lot of the, the sugary cravings because what happens is if you have real nutrients on board, you're fueling your brain, you're fueling your body, you're not going to have those cravings because all those cravings do is they lead you to one soda or one energy drink. You have the sugar rush, then the insulin spike, then the crash, and now all of a sudden you're craving another soda or energy drink or a very... Uh, you know, very carbohydrate loaded snack because you need more and you need more, which then eventually leads to the insulin resistance and type 2 diabetes and that whole chain of events happens. But that's why the four core pillars of health work so well because you are working on mindset and stress and sleep first and you get yourself to a place where now you have the mental capacity to really start to become not just, not just focused, but almost almost engaged with nutrition because nutrition then becomes fun, right? When you can actually slow down and think about all the world has to offer when it comes to nutrients, there is a million and one ways that you can make healthy food taste really, really good. And it can become a natural part of your life where you're not dreading that next salad or that next piece of broccoli. When you realize that those things can be made to taste good, still be healthy and provide you with the fuel to where you can operate powerfully and consistently and, and dominate your day on a daily basis, well, then it's about embracing the struggle, knowing that that burger can be put off till later, but you can still have it, 
And now you can perform at a high level and enjoy your life on the weekend a little bit more because now you can let loose and have that. You're not sabotaging your health. This whole chain of events happens. And so when I implemented the four core pillars into my, my life and I did the same for my clients, uh, it, it's, it's powerful stuff, man. Yeah, it definitely is. And right, Jason, so we're, we've covered sleep. We've covered right some of the energy drinks and some of the things that happen there. I love the fact you brought up coffee. I've never been a coffee drinker right up until about a year and a half ago. I just despise the taste. And admittedly, I don't like it now, but understanding mitochondria efficiency and creating right that that bulletproof-esque environment and dave's done a great job on you know certainly making it a proprietary term but really right there's a lot of science that goes into why we should have a certain amount of fat that's high quality fat that's increasing our body right our 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 body's energy that's another side of things right when your sleep patterns are off when your eating habits are off those mitochondria the battery cells of our bodies it's like an old iphone it gets you know it's a it can only ever be a quarter charged absolutely it's not going to help. What's your thought on, I couldn't just say ketogenic, right? Cause that's a buzzword right now. And every, every keto, this keto, that, but right. I look at keto as being sensible with how you're consuming carbohydrates, having a higher amount of fat and being focused on protein. Like that, that's what I'm going to enter the conversation. Talking keto is talking that what's, yeah. your, what's your take on that? Yeah, absolutely, man. And I'm glad you brought that up because it is such a, it's such a craze and it is a fad diet and I'm not a believer in fad diets. My, you know, my nutrition, we'll call it plan or, or structure. Um, it's a, what I call a modified version of intermittent fasting. And it is, I would say low to moderate carb, but my carb, carb timing and carb sources um, are really where the magic happens. And so to answer your question with, with keto, the reason that I do not encourage people to go down that path especially people who are really overweight is because typically what happens is they get great results. Then they, their body craves those carbs again. They cave one time, they go out and they have pizza. And then two months later, they put back on 30 pounds of the 60 that they lost or whatever. And so it becomes a vicious cycle. And there's a lot of science out there now showing us that, you know, Gaining weight and drastically losing weight and then gaining weight and drastically losing weight is actually much worse for our bodies than just being steadily overweight that entire period of time. So if you took two, two different people and, and had the same frame of time, but one lost weight, gain weight, lost weight, gain weight, but then you have the other person who just remained 50 pounds overweight, the damage that's being done by the person that's losing and gaining is actually much worse than the person that's just steadily overweight. So I think that for your, your typical American who is overweight, is struggling with nutrition in general, and is looking for that quick fix, does not need to turn to keto because I don't want them to fall on their face. Now, if you're a, if you're a uh, let's, let's call it a, a health conscious person, and you want to give keto a shot because you want to improve your physique, and you want to improve your, your energy levels and your brain fuel, and you want to go down that path. Um, you know, by all means, give it a shot, but you can't, you can't subscribe to my method with the burgers and beer. If you're doing that, right? Like one burger and a, and a couple of beers on a Friday night, there goes your ketosis. And now you're back to trying to get into ketosis again, which if you've ever tried keto, it's a process, you know, it's a seven to 10 day cycle. Probably one meal wouldn't do that. But if you did a whole weekend of carbs, now you've got seven to 10 day cycle to clear all of that glycogen out 
and get rid of all of that so that you can get back into ketosis and burning fat for fuel. So what I do is for me, it's carb timing. Um, I don't eat any carbs in the morning unless you want to consider my avocado. My first meal of the day doesn't usually come about until about 1030. Um, but when I say modified intermittent fasting, I have a little bit of protein, uh, just plain whey protein in some water to start the day with my first cup of coffee has uh, a tablespoon of coconut oil. So going back to your bulletproof piece. So what that does is allows me to fast for you know an, another few hours until that first meal comes without being starving. But what it also does is because I do uh, a good bit of resistance training, uh, usually four to five days a week, I'm in the gym, um, always under an hour. I keep my workouts short, they're efficient, but I do incorporate resistance training consistently into my life. And because of that, that little bit of protein in the morning, um, I followed this nutrition plan for a while that this physicist uh, put a lot of studying into and kind of created this. And, and that's the one thing that I took away from his, his plan, but that can help prevent some of your protein breakdown, your muscle breakdown in the morning, that little bit of protein and so, until my next meal. So I'm, I'm getting a little bit off base in terms of the keto stuff, but that's why I don't really encourage your typical person to go down the keto path is because more times than not, they're going to fall on their face. They're going to be frustrated. And then they're searching for that next magic pill or that next fad diet. For me, it's about focusing on sustainability, figuring out something that's going to last over the long term, which my framework will, because you can't have it now, but you can have it later. But also when you focus on what you can control today, and you have that compounding effect that takes place when you're putting in the work every single day, then you must realize that your health and wellness journey and optimizing your performance level is a, is it just that it's a lifelong journey. We're not, you didn't gain 50 pounds overweight. You're certainly not going to overnight. You're certainly not going to lose it overnight. And so when we have that mentality of that immediate gratification, which our society very much is, you and I both have a thousand dollar computer in our hand jump on Google and Google anything and get an answer immediately and can go down and get a fast food meal within five minutes. So when you have that mentality going on, it leads us to believe that health can be the same way. And unfortunately, for those who are really overweight, that's just not the case. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Jason, right, with, with you being so in tune to men, and by no means am I implying that you couldn't also help women, but right, sure. men, men is a primary focus. I'd like to talk about impotence of all okay. things, right? And, and I, I, I cringe to say impotence a little bit, but we'll call it sexual health and function because it's as very we, important, man. Right. As we age, right, our natural testosterone levels are, are slowly, what, decreasing after 20, 28, 27, 28? Yeah, especially at least by 30, you're starting to see a, a decrease. And by 40, uh, if, if you're not actively trying to work on that, uh, yeah, it, it can become a problem, especially if you're overweight and, and sedentary. Well, yeah, and I, I look at it is my doctor had described to me that as you were listening to this, if you go back in time to when you woke up in the morning, you put your feet on the floor. If As a man, if you didn't look between your legs and, and you weren't at least three-quarter masked, there's, there's something there that sexual function is not as optimal as it could be, right? You should be waking up with, we'll call it morning wood and erection. I don't care. <laughs> I love, yeah. I don't care how you want to say it, but right, sure. that's, that's the easiest way. If you don't want to go the blood panel route, if you don't want to, if you're too shy about it, right, you got to be honest with yourself. Are you waking up excited? Right. And let's assume, Jason, for, for sake of argument right now, someone's not waking up excited. 
right? And we know they're overweight a little bit, right? I think that's, we could statistically say it's probably what 80% of the populace right now is probably statistically overweight. Yeah. You know, the last time I checked, we're at about, we're, we're right at four, right under 40% obese. And the projections right now are that 50% of the United States will be obese. Uh, that's a body mass index, basically over 30, um, you know, will be obese by the year 2030. And, you know, it, it's just, uh, it's a sad trend because I think we're actually going to be there before that. And, uh, you know, job security for me, but it's not, it's, it's certainly not my, my number one priority, man. And so, yes, um, it, it, it's sad. Yeah. So if we, we uh, will assume for sake of this conversation that the, the man that's listening is at least slightly overweight, maybe not all the way obese, but certainly doesn't have any visible abs showing right now that 10% are under body fat. Sure. They, they, are starting to sleep like they're supposed to. They've implemented the first at least two pillars that you've shared. What are some yes. things you'd have someone start to do or consider to help increase, I guess I'll just call it sexual function, right? Like yeah. testosterone so, production, really. Right, right. Yeah, and, and those last two core pillars are where that comes in because, you know, we can tie most things. Let's be honest. Most things come down to nutrition. Um, you know, we love to fixate on diet and exercise as a society, and that's why I feel strongly about my my structure because in, in my framework is because if you go into the doctor right now and you're 30, 40 pounds overweight, even 20 pounds overweight, you know, the, the two things they're going to tell you are, you know, get more active and eat less or at least make better choices, right? And we don't talk about sleep. We don't talk about stress management unless you're talking about, you know, you're waking up tired and people, you know, your, your spouse is complaining about you snoring or something like that, then they might ask you, hey, you know, what's going on with your sleep pattern? Maybe a, a, a sleep study or something to check for sleep apnea. But with that being said, mostly it's fixated on diet and exercise. So when it comes to sexual health, I think that that's going to be the focal point is really improving your nutrition as much as you possibly can. And you mentioned the fat stuff with the keto, but I may, if, if I had to tell you right now, you know, in the simplest way, why I have abs. Now, abs are only a secondary reason of why I work out. The, the number one reason I work out is for mental clarity. I do not feel I would be a very nice person to be around if I went a month or more without working out. Um, and then the number two reason is for my energy levels. I, I, I wake up every day at 40 years old with soaring energy levels, ready to take on the world. And so those two things are huge motivators behind why I work out. Am I proud of my physique? Sure. But it's only secondary to me showing up every day at the gym and, and also putting in the work when it comes to my eating habits. So to answer your question, I think that would be the major focal point. Any amount of weight that you lose is going to not only reduce your health risk, even five pounds can reduce your risk for diabetes by quite a bit. Um, but it's also going to give you a better opportunity to improve your sexual, your sexual health. Now, in saying that, um, I've recently partnered with a guy because I'm, I'm glad you brought the sexual uh, health piece up because I've recently partnered with a physician, a hormone physician who uh, I work with directly to get blood, blood work done on my, my higher level clients, my, my private clients so that we can see where their hormone levels are at. And if they need replacing, he can optimize them to give our relationship, my client and I's relationship the best chance at success because when somebody is, if you're 52 and you're 40 pounds overweight 
and you've got low T and, and some other things are out of whack, if you fix those core things first, your efforts with everything, you know, following the four core pillars of health are going to pay off significantly more. So having them optimize there first, then combining my coaching efforts while we dial all that in will really take you from overweight, out of shape, low energy levels, low back pain, low libido, all those things that come along with poor health or suboptimal health, we'll take you from that to your optimal performance level in a much shorter period of time because now we've optimized everything. When you optimize the four core pillars along with what's going on on the inside, now you've taken a guy that's really beaten down almost and taken him and really flipped his life upside down because now everything's firing at a high power and now you now you go from that 1985 Honda Civic to that 2020 Lamborghini uh, and, and can really take off. So I think nutrition and fitness would be the focal points for the sexual health, but really mainly related around any any amount of weight you can lose. Um, you know, it'll also help you. Uh, we, you mentioned waking up and looking down. If you're 40 pounds overweight, you're probably not going to see anything other than your gut when you're looking down. So it's just another incentive. Any amount of weight that you can lose is going to help uh, that that other member down there uh, at, at least present itself a little bit more and, and look a little, a little bit uh, more sizable for your partner too. So, well, yeah, absolutely. And and right as you you share and touch base on that, it's one of the things I've noticed is right. I'm an ex bodybuilder, right? So I would not get massively overweight, but right as I'm sitting in front of you right now, Jason, I'm 265 pounds, uh, about 11 percent body fat, right? Okay. So still decent size. Yeah. I would get up to 305, 310 in the off season. Oh, wow. And yeah. The um, bulk phase. <laughs> yeah, but even bulk phase, I was never much larger than uh, like 14, 15% body fat. So I was certainly pretty, still pretty lean. Yeah. There was, there was a lot there. And what I noticed is I've, you know, gotten rid of anabolic steroids and all the stuff that goes on that way. Sure. And maintain more of a healthy lean physique is that my blood flow has increased everywhere. Right. Absolutely. Like, which by the nature of that, of course, erections are more solid. Like there's, it, pumps are better in the gym as long as there's a presence of water and, and carbohydrates and salt. Like yeah, a lot of things are just better in life, not carrying around the extra weight. Absolutely. And then also right being an 80s baby, right? I was born in 84. You're, you're not far behind that. You're pretty close to the 79, same. 79. Yeah. Right at the end of 79. So yeah. Right. I remember the days where cholesterol was bad. You can't have any cholesterol in anything. You get rid of all the cholesterol everywhere. Don't eat red meat. Don't eat eggs. Don't eat everything. Mm. And not that new science has emerged, but science has now debunked really all that. Like we need yes. cholesterol in order to carry around the testosterone molecule that actually is yes. providing us our masculinity. Yes. It's in, and I'm, I'm very glad you brought that up because I will tell you, man, when I was working in corporate wellness, that was one of the most common things that I would see is people being put on 40 and 80 milligrams of a statin and having cholesterol levels, you know, their total, I've seen guys with total cholesterol less than a hundred, like 95 and they would complain to me that they were starting to have memory issues at, at the age of 55 or the age of 60. And I'm like, dude, you need a new doctor because that stuff is going to kill you. And when you bring, you know, our brains are mostly fat, you know, like we need fat, we need cholesterol to thrive. And so, um, you know, blaming cholesterol, if anybody, anybody listening to this that wants to, to deep, dive a little bit deeper in it, there's two good books out there. One's called the, the Great Cholesterol Myth, and then the other one's called Cholesterol Clarity. And 
those two books will will give you an entirely new perspective on cholesterol because the United States was really the only country that was that you know we we dated this stu- or, or we were uh, based our uh, recommendations off of an outdated study that was done on rabbits. Okay, and rabbits only eat green vegetables. Of course, if you feed them meat, we're, you're going to have issues. And so we we you know that that's just such outdated news. And I will tell you, I have 35 at least 35 eggs, 30 to 35 eggs a week. Um, I eat a decent amount of red meat at least every weekend, once or twice. Um, and my cholesterol is is spot on. And so it's it's such a myth and i'm so glad you brought it up because it is something that more people need to become informed about because if you've got a doctor out there who's slapping cholesterol medication on you when you're when you've got slightly elevated cholesterol chances are he has a direct affiliate link to whatever cholesterol company you know whatever medication company that is because big pharma uh, only cares about one thing and that's the bottom line and when that doctor is getting a little bit of a cut every time he hands out that medication, his interest is getting his his share. Okay, and so you've got to find somebody who has your true interests at heart and wants to address the root cause way before they slap a medication on somebody. Now, do I think statins have a place in the world? I do. If you're somebody who is significantly overweight, you already have diabetes. You eat like crap and you're not willing to change your habits. You're very sedentary. You smoke. You've got five or six major risk factors. And maybe cholesterol medication isn't a bad thing to potentially save, you know, potentially give you a better shot. But here's the thing. Blaming cholesterol for heart disease is like blaming the firefighter for showing up to put out the fire. All the cholesterol is doing is trying to get in there and, and protect your vessels from the plaque and the buildup that's happening. And so when we go in and we see cholesterol, we're blaming the, blaming the cholesterol just like you'd blame the firefighter for coming to, sh- to put out the fire. And so it's not. It's sugar. It's inflammation. It's stress. It's oxidization. Those four core pieces are what lead to heart disease, which is the number one leading cause of death in our country. And so when you start to look at things a little on a little bit deeper level like that, you know, and that's why I... That's why I have a, a growing, a rapidly growing relationship with this physician that I'm working with because he doesn't believe in any of that. We're not going to slap a Band-Aid on you. We're going to optimize your hormones, make sure you're functioning at your, your, your most optimal level internally so that we can address the root causes with lifestyle. Until we do that, you know, and, and big pharma is not going away. So this, this, is not a pro, this is not an issue that's going to be resolved anytime soon. Uh, my wife is a pharmacist, like I mentioned before the show. And she's very much on board with this. I mean, she's anti big pharma because of this. And so it, it's a sad trend, but the, the key is becoming more informed about your health so that you can make the best decision for you. I love it. And, and Jason, if someone wanted to connect with you, if someone wanted to, to reach out to you, if someone wanted to touch base with you, what are the best ways they could find you? And what's that one thing you want to leave everybody with to remember you by? Okay, yeah. So, you know, the best places to find me, so you can get me, let's see, you can get me on Instagram, which is at dadbodhealth. Um, you could shoot me an email if you want. It's jason at dadbodhealth.com. But the two, uh, the two offers that I'll give you, if you want to become part of my community, which is the Man Up community, a community of men all looking to reduce their health 
risks, improve their quality of life, and really have formed a brotherhood of support and accountability. Um, really, we celebrate our cheap meals. We celebrate any new beer that we try. It's really a fun community to be a part of because we all have a common goal, a common interest, which is to lead by example, longevity, and quality of life. So you can go to www.themanupcommunity.com for that one. And then if you want to see where you stand and you're you know, amongst your closest peers, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner, if you want to become a high performer, you can go take the free optimal performance test at OPL, optimal performance level, opltest.com. And that'll give you a, you know, you can choose to have those results emailed to you. And then if you want to talk to me further about how I might be able to help you with your health to achieve your optimal performance level, uh, there is an option for that on the forum as well. So those are probably the best places, but if you want to connect with me and engage with my content and kind of see what I'm doing on a daily basis, Instagram at dadbodhealth is probably the best spot. I love it, my friend. Thank you so very much for all the brilliance, the wisdom, your time, and just who you are and what you're doing for the world. I really appreciate getting to know you and having you share your message with us. Thank you so much, Ryan. I really appreciate your kind words, man. And it's been a pleasure for me as well.